Good afternoon, it's Dr. Dan Guerra on the Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. Today is 11 January 2024. We were talking about alveolar macrophages and the production of leukotrienes in asthma, in the human disease. And we're going to continue with that. There's going to be a great amount of detail that you're going to uh, discover in this lecture and probably the next one because I want to get into um, the real articulated aspect of eicosanoid biosynthesis via the specific cyclooxygenase and lipoxygenase pathways, because this is where all the significance in biology and therefore human health uh, can be revealed. So I dug very deeply for this lecture. That's why it's taken me a couple of days to get back to you. So we know this, pulmonary inflammatory diseases, and this includes, of course, asthma, but many chronic obstructive uh, disorders of the lung as well. We know that macrophages play a significant role in the inflammation response, and of course, that means the macrophages are involved in the production and in the signaling, cross-signaling, with the two polypeptides that are secreted cytokines and chemokines, and to a lesser extent, matrix metalloprotease. You hear me say this? If I said it once, I said it a hundred times. So you also heard me say that macrophages are in, involved in both the innate and the adaptive immune response. And you know they're linked with T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, and then dendritic cells and neutrophils, just to name a few of the other cell lineages between the acquired and the innate immune responses. Now, <clears throat> co-stimulation of lymphocytic Th2 cells generate cytokines that induce polarization toward an alternatively activated so-called M2 polarity. Now, that's associated with immunomodulation. And that immunomodulation um, has the effect of diminishing inflammation and promoting tissue remodeling. Whereas exposure to lipopolysaccharide, macrophages undergo a distinct M1 polarization. That's classical. And that's associated with a microbiocidal and tumorocidal activity, which means the full generation of uh, pro-inflammatory polypeptides. Now, they reworked the nomenclature about uh, 10 years ago. And so instead of talking about M1, M2, some of the literature, particularly the clinical, likes to talk about LPS-induced polarization and then Th2-induced polarization. And the Th2 is really talking about two cytokines, two pro-inflammatory cytokines, IL-4 and 13. Okay, so you'll see the, both of those uh, denotations in the literature. Now, the alternate activation states obtain unique molecular species of cytokines and chemokines, and they invoke a paracrine effect on the local immune response. Now, coincidentally, here's where the leukotrienes the trains come in. The arachidonate lipoxygenase 15B expression increases 
as monocytes differentiate into macrophages. So this has something to do now with differentiation, okay? Now, in monocyte-derived macrophages, those are called MDMs, recall, LOX15 expression increases in response to TH2 cytokines. But the LOX15B expression increases in response to both TH2 cytokines and lipopolysaccharide. Okay, so there's first status of differentiation. Now, in human MDMs, the overexpression of 15 lipoxygenase 2 results in the ex enhanced secretion of two chemokines, which you know are going to generate a chemical gradient towards the site of activation infection. Okay, and those two cytokines are CCL2 and CXCL10. Now, I should also mention that the expression levels and functions of the 15 lipoxygenases in the human lung macrophages were largely not addressed. So, objectively, the present study we're talking about, this is the uh, British Journal of Pharmacology, done back in 2015. It was performed to assess, again, this has to do with the hypothetical deduction, that's why I'm telling you this, to assess the effect of LPS and interleukin-4 and interleukin-13 on the expression of those two lipoxygenases, 15-LOX-1, 15-LOX-2, okay? And this was a study done in human lung macrophages. And they wanted to know whether the 15-lipoxygenases are directly linked to specific chemokine gradients that could be differentiated between LPS induction, which would be a bacterial induction, or an acquired immune response, which doesn't necessarily involve a pathogenic agent. That would be the TH2 cytokine response. Okay, this is very important. And so I like the fact that they clearly delineated their um, hypothetical deduction. And you can see from the previous literature we've talked about, that's a very good hypothesis. Okay, the hypothesis is, will there be a differentiation? And if you take the null hypothesis, you would say no. If you take the hypothesis that says yes, then you have to explain why. Okay, why would there be a difference between the micro, microbial uh, induction, LPS, versus the TH2 stimulation? Now, TH2 can also be associated with microbial infection, but you know that would be subsequent to the marshalling of T-lymphocytes to the site of injury activation, but particularly, I uh, said, uh, possibly pathogenesis. Okay, so you understand there's a big difference there in terms of vectorial patterning. So what were the results? So we can ask the question, what was the expression and the regulation of LOX15-1 and LOX15-2? transcript level in the human lung macrophages in the presence of LPS, IL-4, or even IL-13. Well, for starters, in unstimulated macrophages, okay, this, is the this is now baseline, the LOX-15-2 transcript was expressed at a higher level than LOX-15-1. 
Okay. So a quantitative analysis revealed that IL-4 and IL-13 increase, but also incubation with LPS was associated with the greater expression of LOX-15-2, uh, but not LOX-15-1. Okay. So there was an increase in LOX-1 expression 12 hours after exposure to the Th2 cytokines. Furthermore, the results of Western blotting, so now we're looking at the proteome, show that 15 LOX1 and 15 LOX2 are both expressed in unstimulated macrophages. So you get a differential expression of those two lipoxygenases upon exposure of either a T lymphocyte activation or an LPS. And it's temporal. In fact, I will say there is an event temporal and qualitative eicosanoid signaling that ultimately is demonstrated subsequent to the inductions by LPS of LOX2 and LOX1 observed after 48 hours, where stimulation by interleukin 4 peaked at 24 hours. So the induction of both of the lipoxygenases by LPS took two full days in the cell life. Remember, these are long macrophages from human. Whereas the cytokine-mediated induction was more rapid one day. Okay, So that's your temporal and then the qualitative differences looking at two different lipoxygenases, as you will call. Now, Unstimulated macrophages expressed the transcripts of lipoxygenase 5 and lipoxygenase 5AP. Now, remember what that one was? So lipoxygenase 5 is the canonical 5-lipoxygenase, whereas the LOX5AP is the activating protein gene, also known as the FLAP. That's correct. Now, furthermore, PTGS1 and PTGS2 were also expressed in unstimulated macrophages. Now, that's the, of course, cyclooxygenase patterning. Recall that the enzymes PTGS1 and 2 are COX1 and COX2, okay, cyclooxygenases. And they catalyze the metabolism of dihomogamalinolic acid, arachidonic acid, and eicosapentaenoic acid into the 1, 2, and 3 series of prostaglandins. So, dihomogamalinolic acid, its uh, acronym is DGLA, is a 20-carbon omega-6 fatty acid, and it's a cis 81114 icosatrienoic acid. Now, in the physiological literature, it's given the name 20 colon 3 omega 6, of course. Also, you realize that DGLA is a carboxylic acid with 20 carbons with a bunch of cis double bonds, and the first double bond is located in the sixth carbon from the omega end. That's why it's an omega 6. I'm just reminding you, those of you that don't do much lipid metabolism. Now, what else can we say about this? DGLA is actually the elongation product of gamma 
linolenic acid. So dihomogamolenic acid, the 20-carbon fatty acid, is the elongation product of gamma-linolenic acid. Now, that's GLA, and GLA is 18 colon 3 omega-6. Okay? Now, that, in turn, is the desaturation product, a delta-60 saturase, of linoleic acid, the essential, 18 colon 2 omega-6. Right? Yes. So DGLA is made in the, in the human cells by the elongation of GLA. That's where there's a relationship. And of course, arachidonic acid, just to finish this suite of omega-6s, is the 5-desaturase product of DGLA. Don't worry, I'm going to go into more detail here right now. Now, I want you to keep in mind that there is a great locus of literature on omega-3 versus omega-6 fatty acids in the diet. Now, typically when people talk about omega-3 supplementation, almost always, they're not talking about alpha-linolenic acid, 18-colon-3, right? Uh, and, and because that's a 20-carbon fatty acid, remember, the omega-3 is at the end of uh, three, uh, is um, at three carbons away from the uh, omega terminus, right? So just keep that in mind that when you talk about polyunsaturated fatty acids in the supplemental diet, you're talking about icosapentaenoate, five double bonds, 20 carbon fatty acid, and docosahexanoate, 22 carbons with six double bonds both at the omega-3 level of position of the double bond proximal to the methyl terminus or so-called omega terminus, right? All right, now, in the diet, omega-6 fatty acids are typically just simply arachidonic acids. Now, that's because arachidonic acid is found in muscle. So you find high levels of arachidonic acid in meat and meat products. Okay? All right. Now, what happens when you consume alpha-linolenic acid? Remember, that's 18 colon 3, omega-3. Well, the first product after desaturation by the fad um, FADS2 gene, I should say, is stereodonic acid, 18 colon 4, maintaining the omega 3 positional isomeric series. The next enzyme that's involved is an elongase, and elongases are called ELOVLs. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, that elongation product is icosatetraenoic acid, 20 colon 4 of the omega 3 series. That is then desaturated by the FAD S1 to icosapentaenoate, 20 colon 5 icosapentaenoic acid. Now, here's where it gets interesting EPA can be metabolized by the lipoxygenase 15. Okay. 
eicosapentaenoic acid can also be metabolized by the PTGS2, that's cyclooxygenase 2, or lipoxygenase 5. And that will generate resolvins called RBEs. More detail on it in a moment. Now, PTGS1, COX1, will generate from eicosapentaenoic acid those three series prostaglandins. You also get a five series leukotrienes from lipoxygenase 5. Now, we're not finished with that, but let's go over and talk about the omega-6 fatty acids. Linoleic acid, which is the essential in the diet, 18 colon 2, right? That's 912, remember, six carbons away from the omega uh, terminus. Whereas alpha linolenic acid was 91215, right? Okay. Now, linoleic acid will be desaturated by the same initial enzyme that alpha linolenic acid was, that's the fat S2, generating gamma linolenic acid. I just told you about that, GLA 18 colon 3 omega 6. Then it's elongated by the ELOBL to dihomo gamma linolenic acid, 20 colon 3 DGLA. That intermediate 20 carbon fatty acid can react with PTGS1, giving you the one series prostaglandins. Now, when dihomo gamma linolenic acid is desaturated by the fat S1, you make a recordonate. 20 colon 4, 5, 8, 11, 14, remember? And that arachidonic acid, which is considered the canonical omega 6 fatty acid in the two position of, of um, preformed phospholipids of the glycerolipid class. Arachidonic acid can react with, after removal from the phospholipid, with cyclooxygenase 1, that's PTGS, PTGS1, making the two series prostaglandins. So you know all these are named, or arachidonic acid can react with LOX5, making the four series leukotrienes, or with LOX15, making the four series LX leukotrienes. So four series LTs versus four series LXs. Okay? Then that's not anywhere near the finish, finishing of the complicated interactions. We're going to now go into detail. So get ready. The family of icosanoids includes the prostaglandins, the leukotrienes, the thromboxanes, the lipoxins, the neuroprotectins, and the resolvins. All of those, because they're icosanoids, 20 carbon, right, are from 20 carbon polyunsaturated fatty acids, and they are all highly potent, biologically, physiologically active lipids acting as local hormones. They're generated in a tissue-specific manner according to the precursor lipid, which I just went through that pathway, and then all the enzymes that I also presented to you. So the actions of the different polyunsaturated fatty acids on prostaglandin synthesis reveals a great deal of complexity, of which I just gave you the first 
fire over the bow. Okay. Now, the omega-6 and omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acid families produce their own specific metabolites. But they compete with each other once they're synthesized for cellular membrane lipid incorporation and metabolic enzymatic substrate activity. So the competition then will influence the amount of all the unique long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acid series generated from alpha-linolenic acid, 18-3, and linoleic acid, 18-2, omega-6. Right? Those are the two essential fatty acids. And that's via the sequential action of desaturases and elongases that I just went through. FAT-S2, ELOVL5, and FAT-S1. So dietary supplementation with the longer chain, which I was getting into, such as gamma-linolenic uh, acid or stereodonic acid or EPA or docosahexanoic acid, would therefore do what? Bypass all of those important allosterically regulated enzymes. Okay, bypasses all of them. Now, PTGS1, also known as COX1, is a constitutively active enzyme. PTGS2, COX2, is inducible. How is it inducible? Via inflammation, via growth factor stimulation, and hormonal regulation. Now, that's the one, COX2, that makes the larger significant difference when we're talking about the control over pathophysiological states, such as rapid cancer cell proliferation. Now, when humans consume certain ocean, that is salt water fish, such as certain herring and salmon, it may, it, this has been considered now since the 1960s, it may help, interestingly enough, only men with the potential to control prostate cancer risk. Obviously, only men can get prostate cancer because men have a variant, have a variant of COX-2 or PTGS-2, which is a Nucleotide sequence 6365T2C. And that will reduce prostate cancer risk by 70% if the person who has that um, variant consumes some of these ocean fish or consumes what? High levels of omega 3 fatty acids of the very long chain type, EPA in particular. Now, Remember that it's not the fish generating these fatty acids. This is a big stumbling block in a lot of literature. The fish consume phytoplankton, and the phytoplankton generate the omega-3 fatty acids, long-chain polyunsaturated uh, phenotype. Okay? Now, now you understand that. 
So only plants and microbial plants like phytoplankton have the desaturase enzymes that put double bonds into preformed 18 carbon fatty acids towards the methyl terminus. So delta 12, delta 15 desaturases. Animals have the delta 5, delta 6 desaturases, which put double bonds towards the carboxy terminus. That's why linoleic and alpha-linolenic acid are the essentials in the diet, the fatty acid series. You understand now, okay? So it's not the fish. It's the fish consume plants, and those plants then um, provide the omega-3 fatty acids, such as eicosapentaenoic, docosahexaenoic, that is known as fish oil. Once they express the oil out of the fish, they get high levels of EPA or DHA of those certain ocean-going fish, okay? So not all fish have high levels of omega-3 fatty acid. Freshwater fish generally don't. So you're not going to get high levels of omega-3 fatty acid from any freshwater fish, okay? Also, not all oceanic fish consume sufficient amounts of the phytoplankton that generate high levels of the very long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acid omega-3 type. Okay. There's a whole bunch of interesting research about that, which I will uh, get into uh, in subsequent lectures. I'm just giving you that as a heads up. Okay? Now, this whole concept then about the lipoxygenase versus the PD, PTGS2 with the variant, why would it be then that men with that variant can reduce their prostate cancer risk? It's because of lipoxygenase activity when it's in association with the variant cyclooxygenase 2 variant cooperate by substrate, in particular, DHA discrimination toward a lipoxygenase pathway for the synthesis of one product of that lipoxygenase pathway, the resolvins. And resolvins limit cell division, therefore control prostate cancer. Okay. Yes. Now, the initial step in prostaglandin synthesis is through the release, of course, you've heard me say this again many, many times, stored PUFAs, polyunsaturated fatty acids from membrane phospholipids. Typically, we could talk about all the different phospholipases, but the one most often triggered during a stress response is PLA2, phospholipase A2. Okay, And you also have interaction, as I said, with phospholipase C and the diacylglycerol lipase, Okay, just so you remember that. Now, the enzymes PTGS1 and PTGS2, those two Cox enzymes, catalyze, as I said, the metabolism of DGLA, arachidonate, EPA into those series we just talked about. Okay? Now, five epoxinase pathways catalyze arachidonic acids sequentially produce the four series lipoxins, those are the LXs and EPA to the 5-series lipoxins, or DHA to the neuroprotectins, including the resolvents. 
Alright. So now you understand where these unique names for these eclosinoids show up. So there are specialized pro-resolving lipid mediators. These are also known as SPMs. And they include the lipoxins and the resolvins and the protectins. And they're formed by the consecutive action of the five lipoxygenase and then different types of arachidonic acid, 12 or 15 lipoxygenases. When using arachidonic acid, eicosapentaenoic acid, or even docosexanoic acid as substrate. So the lipoxins are trihydroxylated oxylipins, which are formed from arachidonic and eicosapentaenoic acid. And the latter can also be converted to the dye and trihydroxylated resolvins of what's known as the E series. Whereas docosexanoic acid is a substrate for the formation of the di and trihydroxylated resolvins of the D series, the ones we just talked about with prostate cancer, you see? All right. Now, the effects of common resolvins have been demonstrated in the literature since, oh, the late 1990s. Since those earlier studies were conducted on individual subtypes of resolvins, a comparison of all the different results has become possible okay, by reviewing all the literature. And that's what's been done more recently. Now we know there are those specific anti-cancer actions of the resolvents, mainly RVD1, RVD2, those are docosaxanoic acid derivatives, and then also, to some extent, even RVE1, which is eicosapentaenoic acid derivative. But all 